This episode is brought to you by Tyndale and the new book, Hang On, Let Go. What to do when your dreams are shattered and life is falling apart. If you or someone you know is walking through a first-class crisis, whether a financial crisis, a health crisis, or a relationship crisis, Tyndale has just released a new book by best-selling author Frank Viola. The book is called Hang On, Let Go. What to do when your dreams are shattered and life is falling apart. The book is a time-tested field guide for navigating the worst storms of life when you feel like you're going through the ninth circle of hell. Check it out at hangonletgo.com or any online bookstore. Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. Brian Russell is with me, and we are now going to discuss the next reference to the kingdom of God in the book of Matthew. Before we get into the actual passage, there is something I want to go back to. It's the first mention of Jesus preaching the kingdom in the book of Matthew. And we already looked at this when we saw the first reference to Jesus preaching the kingdom in Mark. It was the parallel passage, Mark 1 with Matthew 4.17. Like I said in a previous episode, you can go ahead and listen to that when Jesus announces his kingdom message. But I want to read it out of this Passion translation, which I said in an earlier episode. I regard this more as a paraphrase than a true blue translation of the Bible. But in Matthew 4.17, the Passion translation renders it this way. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words, keep turning away from your sins and come back to God for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. And in the note, it says heaven's kingdom realm is close enough to touch. And I just want to reiterate something that we have said in previous episodes in this podcast, going way back to the beginning when we started. And that is the kingdom of God is available, it's accessible, you can enter into it, you can enjoy it, you can experience it right now with a look to the future of the culmination and finalization of the kingdom coming to the earth, but it is here now and we can live it out. And that's why we have this podcast, brother. I translate repentance as realign, Mm. Uh, and, and I like that. Because it kind of reminds us, Jesus, when he's preaching here, he's in the Galilee, which is a mixed area where there's both Jews and Gentiles. And now, obviously, Jesus goes essentially the lost sheep of Israel during his earthly ministry, according to Matthew. But it's conceivable, and we see it throughout the Gospels, that there's persons who aren't uh, Jews hearing him. And when I hear that word realign, it's a reminder that you know repentance, in some models, that's what you do before you come to Christ. But this... Well, the word it means really continuously repent or be realigning continually for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and all the I like that translation a couple of beautiful things about that is you know like if you're if you're listening and you're not following Jesus that word realign is the word because what do you have to do we need to realign 
with Jesus and his kingdom, if you're a long time follower of Jesus, you know, if you're following Jesus, which is the metaphor, just think of GPS, you, you know, you follow GPS, but you're always a little bit off course. You're always realigning with Jesus. So this gives us a way to read the rest of the gospels in a way to end the whole Bible. I mean, I don't think you've read a text properly. If you haven't asked yourself, how do I need to realign with this? So mm -hmm. I'm living out the, the kingdom if I'm living as an insurgent the way that God calls me to be. And then the other beautiful thing about this is, again, the, the Passion Translate said, repent from your sins. It's interesting in the, the original language, it just says repenting. And, and the question ends up being like, okay, what am I supposed to repent of? And that's the beauty here. It doesn't say what, because it's everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and, and, you just, and you know, Frank, you put a word in there, like repent of, you name it then that becomes all you have to repent of. And so the, the, mm -hmm. the sneaky matter of Jesus's message is that uh, he doesn't fill the blank in. Instead, you read the rest of the scriptures to see what does it look like? What does it look like for me to realign with the person, the ministry, the life of Jesus so that I can be a kingdom person? You know, we get into more good stuff, right? Now we're into the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, and in a previous episode, John Nugent and I went into uh, the Sermon on the Mount, quote-unquote, or the message on the hill, however you want to <laughs> phrase it. Augustine gave us the Sermon on the Mount, but it certainly was a message, and you know, I think Jesus, he taught and preached constantly for three and a half years, and so he would repeat himself from time to time, and slightly change what he said in different places and that's a whole nother conversation but this passage here the next reference to the kingdom is Matthew 5 3 and I'm going to read it from three different translations okay so the first is the New American Matthew 5 3 blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven mm. or the kingdom of God that's a synonym Blessed are the poor in spirit. And then in the NEB, how blessed are those who know their need of God. That's good. How blessed are those who know their need of God. And then in the Passion translation or paraphrase, it says, What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? Or theirs is the realm of heaven's kingdom. That's three translations. Let me read one more. A fourth, the Amplified Version. Blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired, are the poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant. Mm -hmm. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven both now and forever. And let's do a fifth. Why not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've already surpassed three with four. Let's do five. This is God's word translation. Blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. I have a lot to say about this, Brian, and this is a, a reference, a word that is very powerful for kingdom people, for insurgents to really get a hold of. Basically, those who are poor in spirit, I believe, are the recipients of the riches of Christ. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's present tense. You know, it's, it's not that we're waiting for the kingdom, although that's part of it. But we can experience and enjoy the kingdom right now. And one of the keys to that, one of the ingredients to that reception is, in fact, being poor in spirit. 
I think the opposite of poor in spirit is found in the words of Jesus to the Laodicean church in Revelation. Mm. He says to them, this is Revelation 3, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold in the fires so that you can become rich. White clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put in your eyes so you can see. So when we think of poor in spirit, when I think of poor in spirit, looking at the opposite can really highlight it. That's good. The leaven dispensing Pharisees were rich in spirit. The scribes and the Sadducees were rich in spirit. These were people who had the living God living right under their noses. They didn't even recognize him. And they knew scripture intellectually. Yeah, that's the scariest thing, isn't it? <laughs> they believed they knew God, even though they didn't recognize him when he was in their midst. And they, in effect, were people, Brian, who were arrogant in their spiritual knowledge. They were rich in spirit. And here Jesus turns around and says, if you're going to experience the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God is going to be yours, then you must be poor in spirit. To have the heart of a needy, desperate child. This goes along with so many passages that relate being like a child to the kingdom. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to them. Luke 18, 16, and those such like them. Truly I say to you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18, 3. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned. In other words, the rich in spirit. Yes. But you have revealed them to the little children, to the babes. Matthew eleven twenty five, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong, the lowly things of the world, the despised things, to nullify the things that are, so that no one can boast before him. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. To be poor in spirit, I believe, is to lower oneself as a student, a learner, one who is open-hearted, curious, and humble enough to learn from other people. It really comes down to this business of emptying yourself. Being poverty-stricken in spirit, it reminds me of how Jesus emptied himself, Philippians 2.5, made himself nothing when he stepped into this realm. Being poor in spirit, I think of having room, making room in my spirit, the deepest part of me for God and for God's power to fill it. We can't know the fullness of Christ until we are emptied of everything else. And this is a posture that must be maintained, Brian, because the more knowledge a person has, and even the more spiritual experience a person has, the more apt they are to become rich in spirit, mm. to no longer have that needy, desperate, childlike humility. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 8, knowledge puffs up, knowledge inflates with pride, right? And so the key to 
advancing in the kingdom of God is to be poor in spirit, to remain desperate, in need of the Lord, never to feel like we've arrived or we've, we've excelled beyond, but to have this deep, profound desperation for the Lord in the depths of us, this desperation to know Him and His ways, and this posture should never leave us. I wrote a book with Leonard Sweet called Jesus Speaks. Mm. It's all about how to recognize and hear the Lord's voice and respond to it. But I want to read a quote because it's about this business of poverty and spirit that I had written. Quote, Jesus drove a standard in the ground when he said that the kingdom of the heavens, the unseen heavenly realm where Christ rules, belongs to the poor in spirit. Hearing the voice of Jesus is part of that other realm. Being poor in spirit, then, means having a childlike humility and a poverty-stricken desperation for the Lord. Jesus himself showed us what being poor in the spirit was all about. He who was rich emptied himself and became a slave, taking the form of a bondservant. Philippians 2.7 Each day that he lived on this earth, Jesus lived in constant desperation and neediness for his Father. He indicated this when he said, quote, I can do nothing on my own, end of quote, John 5, verse 30. Then he turned around and said to you and me, quote, apart from me, you can do nothing, end of quote, John 15, 5. Do you want to hear the Lord speak and keep speaking? Become poor in spirit and stay poor in spirit. No matter how much the Lord shows you and does through you, it's vital that you remain desperate for him. Why? Because the day you stop being desperate and needy for your Lord is the day when you will have become rich in spirit. And this will mute your ears to the voice of Christ. And I remember, I'm just being reminded now, of what Paul said about his great revelations that he received in 2 Corinthians 12. That was the reason, right, why the thorn in the flesh was given to him to humble him. In other words, to make him poor in spirit. What say you, Brian? No, it's 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 so good. It's, uh, it's you, I can say a lot of things. I want to get into a, a psalm here in a minute, but just just to kind of build on what you just said, <clears throat> I think about when I wrote uh, my book, Realigning with God. I think the opening sentence actually is um, the goal of biblical interpretation is conversion. Always, And what I've meant by that is um, not literally that you have to get saved all over again, but that if we're going to read Scripture, you just said you can read Scripture rich in spirit or you can read Scripture poor in spirit. And if we're going to read Scripture poor in spirit, that means that we have to literally be, and like this is true for you and me as we're having this conversation, we have to be the first converts to the text that we're talking about mm. or we're going to be rich in spirit, right? Yes. I, I, I use the phrase somewhere and. I, don't think, I didn't make this up, but it's, it's always helped me. It's like we give master's degrees at the seminary, right? So it's like, oh, wow, I'm a master of biblical studies. Mm. So and the whole thing is, you know what? No, we don't want to be the masters of the text. We want the text to master us, mm, right? right? One's rich in spirit. Again, I'm not making, you know, the degrees are earnable, but it's just a great yes. turn, right? Am I mastered? Am I a master of the text or have I been mastered by the text? Mm. Is the tech, am I a servant of the text or I am a master of the text? And we need to be the first persons, meet Jesus at the cross when we're reading scripture and realign with 
what the text is calling us to so that we don't turn into the Pharisee who's like, oh, thank you, Lord, I'm not like this sinner. Because that's, that's, that's exactly what you're talking about. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's so fascinating in that even this, this poor metaphor that we have here. In Luke's gospel, when he talks about, he reads from Isaiah 61, and that's how he sort of announces, that's when, when Luke's talking about Jesus' ministry beginning, he gives us that snapshot of Jesus in the synagogue versus Jesus out preaching like Mark and Matthew do. So Luke starts off with Jesus reading that text and saying the scripture has been fulfilled in you know, Isaiah 61, in case the readers don't remember, and this is what Jesus quotes in Luke 4, very first line, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to bring good news to the oppressed and or even good news to the poor. That's mm. how it gets translated in some, in some texts. And so we don't want to miss the revolutionary piece of that because our world, it's the people that brand themselves, that go for celebrity, to try to be an influencer on social media, that intentionally stand out in some way that gets blessed that sometimes it's the beautiful the healthy the wealthy the wise and we sort of lionize persons like this and we're not suggesting that persons in those positions can't be uh, right. converted or followers but the scripture flips the narrative and so instead of, and, and that's a surprising thing because in the ancient world people would have thought the winners in life were the winners with god but jesus's message is completely the flip of that and he says no it's the people who know mm-hmm. that they're desperate i had a, I have a friend He's a, um, he's a leader of, of uh, Jesus followers up in Canada, but he, uh, he and his wife, um, when they were in their 20s, they literally got dropped into a city up in Maine to, to launch a new community of faith. And it was, they were like 25, they don't know anybody. And so they go and they just try to try, they're starting, trying to start an ecclesia. And, 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 and it's funny, they, the first people that they connected with were uh, persons that were really in desperate places in their life, and and I remember when I was talking to Eric, and I was when I was interviewing him, he goes, "We were really a community of the desperate back in those days," Beautiful. and I've loved that because that's what that's what the that's what the, the persons that advance the kingdom are a community of the desperate who know that they're trying something so big that there's no way it's going to work unless God shows up, mm. right? I love the Psalms, and Psalm 146 is one of my favorites. And you know, when you're desperate, when you're a person who's poor in spirit, where's your help? Mm. I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? Oh, it comes from the degrees I have. Oh, it comes from how much I know. Oh, it <laughs> comes from my wealthy friends or my wealthy parents, or maybe I'm wealthy. Or my past my, spiritual my, experiences. Yeah, my past spiritual experiences roll this whole thing out. But it's always interesting. And those who know the scriptures who are listening or know what I'm going to say, you know, where's our help? Um, Psalm 146. Just like so many Psalms, happy are those whose help is mm. the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord their God, and who made the heaven and earth. This is one forty-six verses five through nine. I want to look at. I'll read this quickly. Made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. Who keeps faith forever? Who executes justice for the oppressed? Who gives mm. food to the hungry, not to the powerful, and not to the filled. By the way, when we fast, we, that's putting ourselves in a position where we're hungry. Yes. And that reminds us that we're hungry for God, right? Mm. Um, and now listen, this is what's really cool. It's almost the most riffing here. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. 
but the way the wicked he brings to ruin. I read that because if, if we listen, he talks about prisoners free, eyes of the blind, bowed down, strangers, orphans, widows. These are all those groups in the Old Testament that you would count among the poor. But the powerful word, even in 146, that it, I don't know if you noticed that right in the middle of that, the Lord loves the righteous. And that's the hidden message that we miss sometimes because a lot of times you look at a person and again, this isn't glorifying poverty either. We're not talking about that. A person, just because someone's impoverished, doesn't make them a follower of Jesus. And it doesn't make them poor in spirit Right, either. right, right, right. That's important. But the surprising thing, though, is that you know God's people in the Old Testament would have found themselves. When the Psalms are coming together, Israel's oppressed. They don't have, they're under these other powers, and they're writing these Psalms. And so when it says the prisoners are free, Lord, a lot of the they're not feeling free, but guess what? The Lord loves the righteous. And so the surprising good news of the scriptures is that the head becomes the tail. The person who's desperate is actually the one that's welcome versus the one that walks up in the equivalent of a spiritual Armani suit in a Lamborghini, yeah. spiritual Lamborghini. It's like, no, it's the guy driving the rusty spiritual beater. He's <laughs> got holes in the oh, jeans, maybe needs boring. a bath. I mean, that's the uh, that person who's desperate for what only God can give. Lo- love this text. Love this text. I really like the phrase that you uttered, the community of the desperate, because that to me is a wonderful definition of a kingdom community. Amen. This is a people who know they are needy for the Lord, they know that they are not great super Christians. They know that they're desperate for him constantly and they help one another to find him and experience him, worship him, love him, even drag each other in their poverty, spiritual poverty, even, even in their weakness, drag one another to him, to encounter him, to love him, to spend time in his presence. I mean, that's really what a kingdom community is. It's the community of the desperate. I love that. Yeah. The other thing that you said about, you know, we don't master the text. We want to be mastered by the text. I would seek to lift that up a little higher. And that would be, am I being mastered by the master to whom the text points? Friendly amendment. That's so I would uh, encourage you to use that from now on. Am I being mastered? by the master to whom the text points. As you know, there's so many people that idolize the scripture when the scripture is a roadmap to a living person, Amen. Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I wanna press upon people is this. God has a remedy for the rich in spirit. It's called trial and tribulation, adversity and suffering. And it's what I made reference to why Paul had this thorn in the flesh because he had such revelation he had such insight. He had spiritual experiences that most of us have never had. And yet God, and it's clear, God was the one who allowed this thorn to come into his life. Why? So that I won't boast, so that I will be humble. So I'll be in touch with who I am, my mortality, my humanity, right? So that I will stay poor in spirit. Consequently, one of the primary goals, it's one, there are others, for the Lord to allow trial, tribulation, pain, adversity, suffering to come into our lives is to keep us poor in spirit, needy and desperate for him. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the great spirit wise people have always said there's kind of two ways. One's by just recognize how much you're loved. That should keep you poor in spirit at some level just out of the mm-hmm. humility. But the other one is the pain. And I guess the hard thing, Frank, is um, 
takes a pain for a lot of us. <laughs> hey man, well, you're looking at one right here. <laughs> I know, I know, me too. <laughs> yeah. But thanks, thanks be to God, right? Uh, thanks be um, to God. Yeah, God can use those things, and sad, yeah, but yeah, desperate. We want to be desperate for what only God can do, and even in our work, um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, we talk, you know, just about kingdom collaborations and things, and. You know, and you talk even sometimes about uh, you have your writing, your dream team, and you're thinking about like a, you always use the analogy of like a super group or whatever. But I mean, it's like most of most people just kind of settle for the easy. Yeah. We just want to be the garage band when uh, yes. God, God wants us. To, God wants us to take those, uh, get those instruments out there, and uh, have the courage to get up on the stage mm-hmm. and allow God to play through us. But it's going to take somebody that's desperate for what only God can do to actually yeah. risk. Yes. Risk it. Yes, yes. Risk it. And the other piece of that is being willing to co-labor yes. with other people, to be willing to be on a team with others, right? So it's not your old solo gig. That requires poverty of spirit because yes. it's the rich in spirit that says, I'm not going to co-work with anybody. I don't want to be in a team. I'm the solo artist. What do I need anybody else for, right? Yeah, I want the, all the I want all the credits for all the songs on the album. <laughs> And I want to make all the decisions myself, and I'm going to call the shots. And and there again, we're back to this issue of poor in spirit. But I think I'll I'll make this one point: poverty of spirit is the gateway to receiving God and His power and enjoying the kingdom. Richness in spirit forfeits the Lord's anointing because it leaves little room for Him. So, brothers and sisters, remain poor in spirit. For it is to the spiritually poor that the richness, power, and glory of God's kingdom belongs. Yeah, that's so good. Seek, knock, ask. That's the posture of desperation. Just a quick note, this podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Insurgents podcast as well as the Christ is All podcast which has resumed if you haven't heard. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your own podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Check it out at podbean.com. And don't forget to check out the new book, Hang on, let go. What to do when your dreams are shattered and life is falling apart at hangonletgo.com. See you in the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.